Welcome to The Pod, a series of fruitfully interesting podcasts brought to you by Jupiter Group. Hello and welcome to The Pod. I hope you're well. I'm Teresa Chandler, Jupiter Group's Head of People and today's host. I'm really pleased to say that we're joined by friend of Jupiter and expert in all things happiness, Dr. Vicky Barnes. Today, we'll be discussing Dr. Vicky's new book, Free Happiness, The Art and Science of Positivity, as well as techniques to improve corporate well-being and culture. Hi, Dr. Vicky. Thank you for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Teresa. Thanks so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be back with the Jupiter Group. I am yeah, an author now, I guess I should start to introduce myself as an author, published the book in July this year, which was very exciting. So it's um, it's coming up to six months, five months old now. <laughs> and a, a bit more about me, I suppose I'm I don't want to start with what I do for work because people always do that in introductions, don't they? So who am I? You know, Who's the real me? I'm I'm a big fan of experiencing everything life has to offer. I'm um, in tune with emotions. I think emotions are great. I'm quite an emotional person. Um, I love that life can take you on all of these twists and turns and experiencing everything. And I'm a big fan of authenticity and trying to be yourself, but not not in the, the bland sense of the word where you see all of these kind of quotes and stickers and things about be you be wonderfully you like yeah but what does that mean who am I and the, the good the bad and the ugly you know I'm, I'm all about people being completely real and raw and um and because of that I suppose maybe that's always been inside me because I am a, I'm from North Staffordshire originally from a, a little village and and I decided to, I wanted to be a psychologist and it was quite a rocky road because it's it was tough and I'm not really naturally academic and I decided I just wanted to do this I'm very determined uh, and did it and then eventually did my years in the NHS worked with Virgin and other uh, companies and then Positive Wellbeing is my company that I founded two and a half years ago and now I work with a lot of organizations and it's all about happiness it's all about positivity it's using the science of positive psychology to stay well and I love the work that I do I love helping people be their best and just recognize who they actually are in the world because I think there's a lot of pressure for us to be a certain way and you know we're all just human at the end of the day we all want the same things really deep down but we're all very different and our ways of achieving our best life can be quite different so I get to work with lots of companies across the globe and lots of really really fascinating people and hopefully inspire them to be to be great um and that's kind of what the book's all about really to help people have that resource to do that oh that's lovely thank you it's so lovely to have you back with us and you know the first time we were introduced to you at Jupiter was when you guest wrote an article for our corporate magazine Global Roots and since then you've gone on to publish as you said you know your first book which is so exciting um, tell us more about the book. I can indeed. It's my latest project, so it is really exciting. Thank you for sharing that excitement. <laughs> really, what happened, Teresa, was I never intended to write a book, and it was never something that it wasn't a dream of mine. It wasn't something that I had as a goal. Um, I, I didn't ever really want to. I don't. I don't know why, because I've always been. I've always written stories, even when I was really young and I first started to write. I, I used to love making up stories and writing stories, but but this isn't a fiction, so it's kind of a bit different to what I was used to. But I'm, I guess, 
I'm just really passionate about trying to get positive psychology into the world and trying to get people to recognize that happiness is okay as something that they want to achieve you know we can we can put happiness at the top of our agenda and that's okay and it's just a different way of seeing things I guess and what happened was I was speaking at a conference in the Netherlands a few years ago and everybody was asking me when I when I did my speaker slot everybody was asking me whether they could buy a copy of my book or whether I had a resource that they could take away. And I was one of the only speakers there that didn't have a book <laughs> written. So I thought maybe I need to do this. So it was really on on request that I, I set about writing. And, and I just took it one step at a time because I had no idea what I was doing. And I decided that I'd just write for a year. So I gave myself every Friday off the business, positive wellbeing, and they became book days. So Fridays were my book days. And I sat in various coffee shops in Exeter and Devon. And I just wrote every Friday on a Word document. And then eventually, I created chapters and themes. And I thought, okay, that where's this book going? And I didn't really have, as I say, a specific aim about it or anything like that. I just wanted to, to write something that I would want to read. So I like reading inspirational books that aren't textbooks that aren't academic but are life affirming and motivate you to make a change in your life for good so the kind of thing that makes you feel like yeah I can do this thing and life's hard sometimes but it's okay I've got this so I wanted to write something like that the three the, the things that I wanted to make sure were in the book were I wanted to make sure it was all grounded in science so it's all researched positive psychology scientific background but it's very accessible. It's like a conversation with me. I wanted to make sure it was accessible to everyone, but it had a really good basis. I also wanted to get some personal stories in there so that I could connect with people and make sure that people know I'm not just a psychologist who's done some research and theory and is telling you what the books say. I've actually lived and breathed some of this really difficult stuff in life, and this is how I've got through it. So I get it. On some level, I get it. And the third thing I wanted to make sure was in the book was some really practical and helpful tools and strategies that people can actually start with now and make every day better for them. So I set about writing it, finished it in a year. It took me seven months to publish, which I won't go into because that was quite a stressful experience for me. <laughs> but I self-published it. And then, as I say, in July, it was published. And since then, it's been a really exciting exciting ride of people buying it it's in it's been sold now or bought in seven countries and around the world and I've had a big book launch party that people came to and it's just been really exciting and hopefully will continue to to be so it was you know from my perspective Dr Vicky I I read the book and I really really enjoyed it for the very reason you just talked about what you were trying to achieve you know personally I you absolutely achieved and in particular you know us talking about sympathetic and parasympathetic energy and and how the brain works in in simple terms resonated with me because it demonstrates we are different but we're not all the same and that's why we can all you know by following through the book and taking the tips and and understanding yourself that that's what really shouted loud to me so yes absolutely I love Teresa I love that you've read the book I mean commitment to the podcast wow (laughs) 
you know I'm, I'm very much around positivity and well-being and, and, and gratitude so it was something for else for me to read and I really really enjoyed it so thank you um so in the last decade then work, workplace well-being has steadily come to the fore so what do you think has caused the shift in general and why do you think it's more important than ever for employers to look after their employees the shift is probably to do with a wider shift that is thankfully happening which is more about acceptance of difference and that people can struggle for various different reasons and I mean historically mental health was seen as something to be avoided it was something that we were trying to keep out of society but actually even the figures I dare say the research that says one in four people will experience a mental health problem. I don't agree with. I think it's one in one. I think we all have mental health problems. I just I just think that we don't all get diagnosed with a mental health condition or disorder, which is totally fine. But I think we all experience mental health difficulties because that could be on a spectrum of waking up one morning feeling really overwhelmed and stressed. That's mental health. You know, that's 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 yeah. not good mental health. So I really do think that we need to be recognising more so that we've all got mental health problems that kind of bubble up every now and again and, and noticing that. So I think workplace well-being has come to the fore because we're getting our heads around the fact that mental illness can affect anyone, that actually we can talk about it. We talk a lot more now. The increase in you know the World Wide Web, obviously, <laughs> social media, um, being able to talk to people in other places and just have more conversations and spread resources and information. That's also, I think, caused a bit of a shift. But I, like I say, I think it's more to do with this general shift of, of awareness and acceptance of, of difference and diversity in general. And to me, mental health is part of that diversity platform. Um, and, and in terms of the second part of your question, which was about um, why is it important for employers to look after their employees? I think the way I like to try to get people to see work is something they're really excited about. So people get excited about leaving work to go home, obviously, because home is hopefully um, a pleasant place to be. Not always, but that's that's the kind of the hope. But why why are we accepting that work is this dreaded thing that we have to go and work it, we've got this societal negativity around work and it doesn't have to be that way we can we can choose to create better workspaces and we can choose to create better working experiences for ourselves and other people but it's harder for employees to do that because they are bound by structures and processes and protocols and job descriptions and all of that stuff so it's a bit easier for employers to make that change to create a more positive workspace that their employees really want to come and be a part of. So that's why I think it's really important for employers now more than ever to to start to look after people because the very basic need for people is to be looked after, to be cared for, to feel safe, to have their needs met, so basic needs. So we're talking being heard and listened to, having their opinions matter, knowing that they matter, understanding how they're a really important part of the wider process that's actually doing something good in the world. So just a very basic level, it's it's not okay for me to go into work and feel like you're not being looked after and to be looked after you have to go home and there's a lot of pressure on your partners and your families then to be the ones that help you through this 
stressful thing that is work whereas actually work could be a heck of a lot more positive totally totally agree and I think as employers we have a responsibility to do that and a lot of the time I think we overcomplicate things it is literally creating the environment and people you know if people feel valued they'll apply that discretionary effort then so you get it back twofold don't you if not more yeah absolutely so in your experience then do you think there's a direct link between mental well-being and your physical well-being oh absolutely yeah absolutely you mentioned briefly which I was very impressed with Teresa the link with the, the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system so this is a physiological system it's an automatic response that we have to things that happen in our environment so that's a physical um experience that we have so it might be that our with if our sympathetic nervous system is activated our heart rate rises and we might feel flushed and energy goes to our muscles and limbs that's like a fight flight freeze response perhaps and the, the parasympathetic nervous system on the other hand is the calming system so it's about it's the rest and digest system some people call it that it's when we're feeling very safe and secure and there's no nothing threatening or dangerous in our environment so this is a physiological system, but it's very much linked to our um, neuropsychology because a lot of the chemicals, the happy hormones and, and the stress hormones, they kind of occur because there are parts of our brains that produce these neurotransmitters and chemicals that then bounce around <laughs> our, our skull and then through the rest of our body and um, through our whole system. And they those two things act together. So so lit, quite literally, our minds and our bodies are completely linked. So in my mind, there's no, you can't really separate the two. You can you can think about them differently. So you can think about how you feel physiologically. So you can think about your physical well-being. So for example, you wake up in the morning, you jump out of bed and you remember, oh, I've got that headache or toothache or I've sprained my ankle and you've just jumped on it and it hurts. So so yes, that's physical well-being, but mental well-being is, you know, the, the signals that are, are going to our brain to tell us that. And also what we don't recognise as much is what's going on in our minds and whether we're stressed or overwhelmed or uh, depressed or anxious. And um, we, we tend to wait for the physical manifestation of the mental health issue before we attend to it. So really what we ought to be doing and what I work with a lot of my clients about is to monitor our mental well-being every day so that we don't have to have that physical manifestation of a mental health problem before we act so we're not waiting for the um, upset stomach or uh, the headaches or the sore throat that comes because we aren't dealing with a mental health problem like anxiety or a trauma or something like that they're so linked together it's um I don't I don't think it's that easy to to separate the two and I think that's a good thing I think we need to start thinking of it in this way we've got a brain we've got a body and we need to look after both of them and if they're both functioning really well then we become an all well-rounded human being walking around in the world having a, a much a much better time and a much happier time yeah I, I agree uh, you know I, previously I've done um, a very basic level just some um, study around the brain and energy 
and you know hormone levels and as you talked about that sympathetic parasympathetic and the fight or flight and what hormones are released and, and what can happen if we leave them there without addressing them um, and it's absolutely fascinating um, but what, what it did for me was to demonstrate that something else is going on so you talked about what sort of social matters um, and what we see out in the media and everywhere else is we have to conform to sort of one sort of box and once we start to understand what else is going on then we can take control back and that then breeds that positivity just from my own experience (laughs) absolutely absolutely and it's great to recognize that being aware of things like that is the very first step because then you start to question it you start to challenge your belief systems about things and things that you've not really thought about before because we just grow up and we get socialized in a certain direction and everything around us in the world is um, evidence for that and then actually when you stop and think you can you can really learn a lot about yourself and other people and that's that's fantastic absolutely so you also shared with us your 10 steps to aid your well-being and mental health during the initial lockdown we had in 2020 have you seen behaviors that are permanently altered since the start of the pandemic yeah yeah well permanently is probably a strong word because who knows we're still going through it aren't we I think what's what I think is happening the way I see it is there are things that have changed but we're not feeling like we've rested and settled yet in a in a place where we want to be I think most people are feeling like this big things happened to us which is the pandemic and we were all really good in the beginning at altering our lives and I think I think we just all surprised ourselves as to how flexible we could be maybe so there was that element of satisfaction or mastery or accomplishment or something that was the positive side of it but then there was a lot of negative as well obviously people didn't want to change parts of their lives a lot of people became quite overwhelmed and stressed so I think there are some behaviours that have remained in the sense that we had to adapt and now what's happening is we've come through a lot of that adaptation stage and we're in this space now where take take working from home as an example a lot of people had to work from home and that meant that work and home life became a bit more blended So people got really good at that. People became really good at being on time for meetings because it's easier to be on time for a Zoom call than it is to travel through a busy city and park and get there on time and or catch the train or get on a tube or whatever it might be. So we became really good at at having more meetings in our day. And then what's happening now is we can go back and see people face to face. But we're we're now feeling a bit like, oh, I can't do as much. I'm not as productive. I I can't fit as much in my day all of a sudden. So we we haven't let anything go. Do you know what I mean? We didn't. We've now taken on more almost. And because we can now be face to face and travel again, we haven't let some things go. And that means we're trying to do everything. So we're trying to do everything we did before the pandemic and all these new things that we've learned And I think a lot of people are feeling really overwhelmed and quite stressed about that. But the point the point um, I made at the beginning is I don't think that people have settled yet into this. Okay, we got through that. Thank God we survived and we're here now. I don't think people are there yet. I think people are still really feeling it. I think what I said before about monitoring our mental well-being, it's really important that we do that right now because... I think a lot of people have just been on autopilot. Let's just get through this. It's almost like a big disaster strikes and we just go into 
um, cope, resilience mode. Let's just do this. Let's just do what we need to do. But actually, what? How are we feeling? How is this affecting us? Really, if we if we stop and pause, we really need to just monitor our mental well-being because I, I'm a bit concerned that if we're not careful, we have a mental health pandemic on our hands after this if we don't do the right things now. But we absolutely can avoid that. We 100% can be okay as long as we put all the right practices in place now. And that goes back to your point about why is it so imperative for workplaces to be looking after people? That's the answer to that question, really. Yeah, absolutely. It's been such such a change. Um, and like you say, we, and potentially we have the potential to go back to to home working and things. But people like that interaction, don't they? Some people, it, it, it's OK. They, they are so used to working from home and, and that isolation um allows them to concentrate but it's been such um like you absolutely said overwhelming you know for everybody I think um so again as employers we have that responsibility to ease and smooth that process as much as we can yeah yes yeah so in, in your book you share how positive psychology can enhance our personal and work lives so I wondered if um, you could give us three tips um, to improving positivity in the workplace. Oh, three tips. Crikey, there are so many tips. So, <laughs> so many things. Well, I mean, so an overarching aim, I think, is what I said before, which is let's create workplaces where people actually get excited about being at work. It's This is so possible. But for some reason, we have this, We we kind of almost butt against it and we don't want to believe it for some reason but we can be happy at work we can be really excited about our our jobs and our teams and our workspaces we want to what I do the positive well-being my business is all about putting the heart soul and spirit of people into the things that I like the processes and systems at work and it's embedding sustainable well-being into company culture for the long run and it's using the science of positivity and compassion and happiness to add value to people's relationship with work so I guess there's so much I could say about how to create happy engaged employees and achieve better personal and business outcomes because I think we can't separate the personal from the business we've got to understand that people are people and they come to work we're not they're not just work horses so there is so much we can do but I suppose just to start very lightly because there are some things that are really bespoke to the organisations. And what I would do is I would, when I start to work with an organisation, I always create a bespoke package. But the kind of things that work across the board are the really simple things like, so three tips you asked me for. So, so like creating some gratitude about work. So what is it that people are really, really thankful for about their work and focusing on that and doing that every day so in a, maybe there's a morning meeting or maybe there's there can be a gratitude wall or um an online space where people can post things and fill this up with with things that they actually feel thankful for about work and they can be tiny things it can be bigger things like you just said interaction with people that's huge you know that's that's a really big human requirement we're social beings or it can be tiny things like I like the fact that you know, the walls are blue because it's my favorite color it can be absolutely anything but it's about creating positive 
um, attributes, I guess, about the workplace and that gratitude. So that would be my first tip. And then my second tip would be, so you can bookend your day. So you can start with the gratitude and then you can end every day with, okay, what's gone well today? And this works really, really well because by the end of the day, people are generally frazzled and they just want to go home. So we need to turn that into a positive experience. And one of the best ways to do that is really simply just what's gone well today, what's been the best thing. And you can state that for somebody else or you can ask somebody to tell you what their great thing is for that day. And this has been shown in research to have a really profound impact on how people view their day. If they can start and end it well with good things, gratitude and positives, then it actually creates that more positive sense of, of the workplace. So that's that would be my second tip. And again, you can do that however suits your organisation or team. So you might do that in person, you might do it on a call, you might have a notice board online or physically in the office, or it might be a, a WhatsApp group or anything. So whatever works for you. And I guess my second tip would be diving a bit deeper. It's about it's about noticing the kinds of culture that the organisation has. So Again, this can be team level or organisation level or service level. But what's the language that you're using? Because we need to start gently challenging negative language and when it's becoming a problem. There's a lot of negativity about work. It's where people feel stressed and overwhelmed and then they aren't allowed to have the space to talk about things, which we should have those spaces. And there are a lot of fixed mindset statements like, oh, I don't have time. That's not my job. That'll never work. We've tried it before. We don't do that around here. And it creates this really negative culture. So what we want to do is just notice that negative language and just switch it. So create a positive alternative. So, OK, we've tried this before, but let's find a new way that will work for us. Or let's think how we manage our time and energy so that we can you know, achieve what we want to achieve this week. Or let's find a way just that, OK, let's find a way. What can we do? And I think that language and culture is is really important. And that that's a bit more of a longer term tip, I guess, than the first two. So I'd start with the, the gratitude and the, the good things and then move on to thinking about negative language. And obviously I can uh, I can help with that if necessary. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What they're fantastic tips, you know, in particular number two. Um, I do that personally myself. And what it does that if I've, you know, we all have tough days and we all have really good days. But each day I close down and focus on what the good things are. And that just eradicates any negativity and keeps your mind positive. Yeah. So they really do work. But some fantastic tips there. Um, so thank you so much. Um, and thank you again for joining me. It, it's been wonderful and I'm very grateful. Um, so, yeah, thank you to everybody else um, for listening in to today's podcast on free happiness and company culture with Dr. Vicky. Um, if you want more information um, on on Dr. Vicky, um, just to reiterate, the book is called Free Happiness, The Art and Science of Positivity. And you can um, obtain it on Amazon um, and a number of other sites. Also, Dr. Vicky's website is www.drvickybarnes.com. And then on social media um, from Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, it's at Dr. Vicky Barnes. If you like what you've heard from the pod today, remember you can hit that subscribe button whenever you listen to your favourite podcast. And if you can take a moment or two to give us five stars and a review, we would be most grateful. Thank you for listening.